It's official. For the first time ever, we have Hip Hop Hustle podcast merch. From hoodies to T-shirts to hats and even slides, go to the hiphophustlepodcast.com to get yours. Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? All right. There we go. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I'm extremely excited about my next guest, the one and only Cuddy Fresh. Absolutely amazing artist, been in the industry for uh, such a long time. I'm, honestly, for me, the the amount of time that I've been doing this is like two and a half years and I'm always impressed by artists and by people who have the longevity in hip hop to really have a significant impact on literally the generations of music that have been coming up. And so really, really excited about this one. You also uh, do mentoring programs, the Level Up program as well. Uh, You had some amazing collaborations. Literally, I was reading in your bio the list of great artists, the list that I've been listening to, T-Pain, Lil Wayne, Gucci Mane, all those artists and more. So, man, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. How does it feel? knowing that you've had a career in hip hop now, I think it's pretty rare to be able to say like, you've been able to do something that a lot of people want, but have not been able to achieve. Um, I think because you just keep working and working, I get little time to really think about how it feels. I'm just always trying to do something different and raise the bar. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of, not ever get too complacent with the last thing that I did. It's just always about like what's next. Um, so, I mean, I, I try to acknowledge some of the opportunities that I've had that are really big to me. Um, but at the same time, just not get complacent and get stuck in celebrating things that are, you know, behind me at this point. Do you often celebrate at all? Yeah, I try to make it a point to celebrate. Um, I think it's just, you know, for for me, the bar is really high. And what I want to accomplish in general and what what I want my legacy to be is a very high bar. So, um, you know, just trying to keep that balance in between, like, definitely giving myself some time to celebrate the small wins. But, you know, uh, those are you know, two point shots in a, in a long series. And, you know, we still trying to get to the championship. It's funny that you bring that up because I had this conversation with my friends recently, and I think it's difficult when you have a long vision to celebrate wins, because it's simply, as you said, the shot that you need to make to get to the ultimate goal. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's difficult to celebrate when you know, you've got, you know, a whole series to win. When you Absolutely. like, you made one two pointer, and then even if you make a three pointer, you're like, well, it's like first quarter of the first game, so right. I still got plenty to go. So, like, I I wonder because I think I I go through this challenge myself is like, how do you keep yourself keyed into 
all right, these are the accomplishments that I have achieved. I should be proud of them and I should celebrate them, but also it's not the end. Like, I think that's a really tough balance to strike. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, it changes throughout the course of my career. There were certain things that I thought I wanted. And then you get those things and you start to realize that it's so much bigger than that. You know, when I first started, uh, you think that you want placements and you think that you want to work with certain big name artists and you think that you want money and all of these things that ultimately once you kind of reach those those milestones um, and there's so much more life ahead and you know, as I gotten older and just thinking about my impact and like I said before, my legacy, uh, it changes and it just kind of gets to a point where, you know, you're, you're you're looking at, for me at least, the impact that I make on people and my influence on people and all of the people that reach out to me and say that I inspired them to do this just on a regular everyday level. And I think that's what what I'm doing now and what's more important to me is how many people I can inspire to feel like you don't have to have a big celebrity placement or, you know, you don't have to have these big names or it's not always about how much money you make, but just, you know, being able to get up and do your art and be able to make a living from it is such a privilege. You know what I mean? And we're at a time now where because of technology, you don't have to wait for the day that you hit big to be able to do what you love doing. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, just overall my view of it all, is it's just changing as I get older. It's interesting that you talk about the, the desire to see mainstream success, to work mm-hmm. with big artists. And I think, you know, for most young people, that is what they want. They want that mainstream success. They want the fame. They want the money. You obviously had a lot of that in terms of working with artists that are widely regarded as what, some of the greatest artists of all times. Mm-hmm. How did you feel when you achieved that? Like when you got to that point, when it's done and dusted, when you finished the collab, what was the feeling you had after that? It's a it's a mix of different feelings because in the beginning, it, you're just happy to be in the room. And it's kind of like a surreal moment when you start to see that people are just people, you know what I mean? And, and, you know, uh, you, you get to interact with these people and create with them and that's fun. But then there's the business side of it also. And I've had some experiences with the business side that weren't as exciting as I thought they were going to be. And and you learn lessons about how important it is that no matter who you're in the room with, you got to take care of your business and realize that like the music industry in general is just not a place to get caught up in like making friends and and thinking that people are going to look out for you. And so, because I've had a few of those experiences again, like as, as life goes on, you just, you have a different perspective of it. I've had a different perspective of it. So in the beginning, it was definitely like, whoa, my mind's blown. I can't believe I'm here. And then after you do it a couple of times, you're starting to sit down and look at it like, all right, I want y'all to make sure y'all handle business because I don't care who I'm in the room with. 
Yeah, isn't that funny that literally the mindset shifts so quickly that like, because you would have had this dream of working with these big artists for such a long period of time. And then all of a sudden, now that you've achieved it, you're like, what's next? Like, let's make sure everything else is in order. And you said you had a couple of examples of that happen where the business wasn't right. Do you, do you have any that you would talk about? Um, I could talk about it from a general standpoint. Um, I had a production deal. And so I signed a production deal with some people that ultimately were friends of mine. And uh, they had reached a level of success, which allowed me an opportunity that at the time, as I look back on it, they they really looked out for me because I didn't even feel like my music was up to par at that time. But they gave me that opportunity. But I was really green in that situation. So I came into it thinking that, you know, they would look out for me. Um, and there was just some things that happened where I wasn't really making money. I was in the room with big name artists and I was going to places that, you know, you would think that the average producer uh, would be excited to be in. But, you know, as a couple of years that went by and you start to look at like, I might have to go get a job. Then it's like, you know, the perception of people, you know, my family looking at like who I'm taking pictures next to and things like that. Like, yo, you made it. And it's like, nah, I'm actually about to go get a job because this music stuff ain't really paying. You know, it just looks that way. And so, um, yeah, without getting into many details about how the business went, let's just say that, you know, you you have to be able to go into the situation with that understanding that nobody's going to look out for you but you. Was that a contractual thing or was that something else? Mm-hmm. I had a, I signed a contract, which basically, uh, it put me under a production company. Um, and they were basically the face of the production company. And my contributions were to be almost like a ghost producer. Yeah. It's, it's always helpful to, and I think the more we talk about this stuff, the more artists can learn lessons from mm-hmm. the people that have come before them. Because, I mean, I've had this conversation many times in the sense that when you're looking to become and find your dreams and realize your dreams, the things that stand in your way, like contracts, seem to be nothing but pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. When in reality they are the things that will either make or break your dream. You, 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 you get distracted by the potential rather than the reality of the situation. So that's it right there. Cause you end up signing something because you're excited and you, you overall, you think that later on it's going to all work out when um those, those little things that you sign and those little the, that little verbiage that you didn't really understand, you know, in, in perpetuity and, you know, work for hire and all of these different things that you don't, I didn't at the time understand what I was signing up for. Um, and, but just being so excited that I didn't take the time to make sure that I had somebody there to explain to me what was going on and what I was signing and, uh, you know, make sure that, I have a real understanding of what what's going to happen in the long run. 
How long ago was that? Uh, I signed my production deal in 2009, I believe. Okay, either, so either 2009 or 2010. Because it's been over a decade. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, deals like that still are commonplace. And I have wondered this question for a while, but how do we stop those deals from taking, being so common, from artist number one taking them and then on the flip side, because I understand the labels are a business and they're looking for the best deal that they can. And if an mm-hmm. artist is willing to sign in perpetuity, it's almost like, hey, if you're willing to do it, I'm willing to take it. So I, I wonder like where the solve is because as much as it's not fair, it like it's two, it's grown individuals agreeing to something, but it feels like there's an education piece missing that like it, it is experience yeah. versus people who are not versed in in that yeah i think the the thing is we as creators a lot of times spend so much more time creating we love the music and i think it's rare that people go into the business side of it and really do their due diligence to be educated on that side of it. And then when you get an opportunity, you're so excited that you, you know, you go for it. Like, this is it. And it's kind of like, you know, just jumping and hoping that the parachute opens. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't think that the industry is going to change. I think that it's it's been designed like that and it's worked that way for years. And at the end of the day, the, I think the people that are presenting the deals are usually looking out for their best, best interests and not the interests of the producer or the artist. And I think uh, a lot of times it's a situation where the artist or the producer doesn't have the leverage. And so, you know, it's kind of like somebody's offering you more money than you've ever seen in your life to do the thing that you love to do and, you know, basically give you what you think your dream is. Do you see something and walk away from it because you don't feel right about it? Or do you be like, you know, this is, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for, you know, do you walk away from that opportunity? Because a lot of times I know, for me, it was years and years and years of me doing it and finally getting that opportunity. Like, man, what what if I even had the understanding of what I was signing? Like, would I have walked away from that or would I have signed it anyway? Like, well, <laughs> this might be the last time that I get this type of, type of opportunity. You know what I mean? I think that's an interesting question, though, because at least you get to make an educated choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference. Like, I have no problem. If you know what you're signing and you want to sign it, good luck. That is yeah, your problem. Yeah, you can't problem. be mad at anybody but yourself. Exactly. But if you don't know what you're signing, that's different. And I think what's interesting about the music industry in general is that there's no school for how to be an artist full-time. Mm. Like, there's, there's, like, music class, but that just teaches you music theory that teaches you how to create music but there's no like all right here's the music part of it here's how you make money as a musician here are all Mm. the things you need to understand and if i don't understand why 
that's not an option for people to be like, how do I become a successful musician or successful artist and understand what actually goes into creating a business like that? As opposed to, oh, you want to be an artist? Okay, you do music for five years. Great, you do great music. And then what? You don't know how to market yourself. You don't know anything about contracts. You don't understand how the music business works. You don't know anything about distribution. You don't know anything about the rest of it. So it's, I think it, it comes down to also a bit of like we need to just do better in educating kids of like, mm-hmm. hey, this is a legitimate option now. This is not 50 years ago where every musician was poor. Like you can right. make substantial amount of money if you make the right moves. Yep. And I think it's important for people to start realizing that you don't have to sign something. You don't have to be a part of a label. You don't have to get a deal. Um, It's going to be an uphill battle. But if you're willing to put in the work, then you never have to sign away your rights for something that you've created. And the funny thing is you might even make more money than you ever would at a label. Yep. You just get all the profits. Mm -hmm. Like. There's no cut to anyone else. Yeah, and that's a patience thing. Cause a lot of times I think the the thing that happens is people run out of patience. Like I said, being at a at a crossroad of do I continue to do this or do I get a job? Like me, I I have two kids, you know, I had a mortgage to pay. So, you know, when you you got a family at home and you got bills to pay. Um, a lot of times that can be the determining factor of make or break. Do I keep doing this or do I pivot and, you know, go back into the corporate world or, you know, do I sign this piece of paper because they're giving me enough money to sustain myself for the next year, not realizing that that's pretty much you signing away the potential for a lot more money. You know what I mean? So there's a, I think there's layers to it and, it's a difficult landscape, but especially if you don't have any education on it. I think what's interesting is the point you raise that you you feel like this may never happen to you again. Mm-hmm. That this is the only opportunity. Like you've been grinding for five, six, seven, ten years. Mm-hmm. You finally get an opportunity. You find someone finally goes, Hey, I'm willing to sign you. And the reaction is one that intrigues me because when I look at it, if one person is willing to sign you, it means someone else is willing to sign you. Right. The law of averages that like, this is not an outlier. So if it's, it's in the same way that like, if someone is willing to work with you, then someone else is like, there is a list of people who were willing to work with you. Right. And it's interesting to me, the mindset that it's like, I have one opportunity and I have to take it because no one else will want to work with me. When in reality, your leverage then becomes, hey, I got this one opportunity. That means I'm eligible. I'm now in the bracket that can get opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think that mindset is damaging of like just believing this is you only got one shot. When in reality, you'll have many. As you said, you may need to put it a little bit more time. You may need to shop around a little bit. Like the first thing that I would do if I got an opportunity like that, now obviously with the education that I have, talking to all the artists that I've spoken to would be to go to a different label and be like, hey, I already got a deal. Either you come to the party with something better or you're going to miss out. 
So you right. can start leveraging that, but it is really interesting that people feel like it's their one shot. And it's almost designed that way to be like, hey, this is the only deal you're going to get. Otherwise, you'll never get one again. Mm-hmm. And leverage is an important part of it, too, because a lot of times I think artists go into the situation feeling like the label or whoever it is that's offering the deal is more important to them. And I think an important thing for artists to start realizing and producers is that we're just as important as the deal as the people that are offering us the deal. So you got to be able to go in there with that confidence and understand your own value and be able to say, I'm going to walk away from this if you're not giving me what I'm worth. Yeah, you gotta get, you got to understand the game because they're going to play the game of telling you you're not that valuable. Mm-hmm. And you got to play the game of saying, hold on, I am that valuable. And ultimately yeah. it becomes a partnership. But this applies not only to music, this applies to life and about if you're moving up in your career and, and you've got up opportunities, like I think a lot of people, they have a job and they never leave that job because they're scared. This right. is the best job they'll ever get. Mm-hmm. But if they're willing to pay you, someone else is willing to pay you. Like that's just how life works. It's not the outlier. And I think that it goes into what's your mindset before you accept your own reality and what are you willing to accept in your life? Yeah, I think that's important. People have to know their own value. How do people react when you wanted to go full-time with music? Uh, I think because it's just always been a part of me, at least the people closest to me weren't surprised. I think uh, where I where I started to see separation is other artists that I was working with or other, you know, I, I was a rapper first. So before I even started producing, I was in a rap group. And uh, when I was in college, I started to make a little bit of money just doing production. And so that's kind of how I ended up leaning into production. But I still continued to do things with rap groups and as the potential to at least make money and starting to get recognition from, you know, just on a local scale uh, opportunities to open up for bigger name artists and stuff like that. There started to be friction just from a uh, professional standpoint, you know, and I think uh, you, you, you started to see, just a division in how I looked at it is like, yo, this really can be my career. I can do this full time. And, you know, other people that I was um, in groups with just not taking it as serious or not wanting to be as professional. You know what I mean? So that's probably where I seen the most uh, friction or, you know, separation, uh, you know, I was in a relationship with my my children's mother at the time. And like, I definitely got 100% support from her and support from my family. Um, and I'm fortunate that that's been my story. My story, I haven't had any of that, like pushback or any of my family ever telling me like, nah, you need to get serious and, you know, go get a job. So I'm lucky for that. 
Yeah, I think that definitely helps having a stable home life. It allows you to be 100% focused. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned something interesting about your, I mean, being in rap groups and then being in, you wanting to be more professional than not really stepping up. What was mm-hmm. the difference? What what was what was your vision or what was your ask and what was the gap? Um well it's kind of from a quality standpoint. I think is probably one of the things that stuck out the loudest is being able to say like this is not going to work for the mass market and we need to be able to put out quality music and things that are going to work in an industry where we say we want to be. Um, so that's probably like the most, but then also just being able to handle the business, even on a smaller level where, you know, we were selling CDs out in the streets at the time. Um, being able to go out that, that night and keep a professional outlook on what we're here for, our purpose. Why, like, we're not here to kick it. We're not here to chase girls. We're not here to act stupid and, you know, be in the parking lot, getting in this stuff. Cause you know, we was definitely getting into stuff back then. Um, but you know, just as you, as you see the potential from other people, you know, the people that we also were in locally, uh, I wouldn't say competition, but you know, that they, they are out there doing the same thing that we're doing and we're seeing them get success. And it's like, well, what's the difference between us, especially when your ego would tell you like, we're better than them. Yeah. But they're selling more CDs. Why are they doing 10,000 CDs? We're only doing a couple thousand. It's because, you know, there's systems in place and there's more professionalism in the, the, the decision to go out there every day even if you only sell a couple get right back out there you know what i mean um and so i i found myself always being the person that was pushing 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 like yo we need to do this and then um getting pushed back but also just you know as time continued on starting to realize like i'm really out here by myself <laughs> and you know like why am i arguing with you guys about something that we all said we wanted like this was our dream and you know i'm starting to find myself uh defending trying to get us to just be on that level isn't that funny that you're like hey let's be more successful and you're almost become their father you're like guys come on like don't do that you start you start behaving like a different person because they're not adhering to the vision. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird to me that that's the reaction. They'd start going, you know, you put so much time into the music and you put so much effort. Obviously you're printing CDs. That's not free. That's costing money. Right. And for you to have to be like, hey, let's go out there and make our money back is is a, is a weird place to be because I'm sure – when you first had these discussions, they were like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. The beginning is always exciting. I think that goes with anything. When you want to start a business or it's new year, your new year resolution. You know what I mean? Everybody's always excited in the beginning. And then, 
you know, little by little as days from the excitement, the euphoria wears off, you know, and the dopamine is starting to wear off. And now it becomes about discipline. The days that you don't feel motivated, that becomes about discipline. Like now you got to do it even when you don't feel like it. But why is it that you'll do that for your job, but you won't do that for your dream? Why do you think that is? Um, because it is comfortable. Your your job is guaranteed. All you got to do is show up. You're gonna get your check every two weeks, or you know, however your your pay structure is. Um, they they got a set task for you to do. You show up. You do the task. You're guaranteed to get paid. But with your dream. Just like I was saying, some days you're going to step out there, you, you'll have a good day. And some days you're going to have a horrible day and there's going to be uncertainty. And I don't think it feels good to have to endure that uncertainty all the time. But then at the end of the uncertainty, there is looking back on your life and going, hey, I did something I wanted to do. As opposed to looking back on your life and saying, hey, look at all my friends. Look at these people I know. Look at Cuddy Fresh. He did, he he went out and he got it. And I could have done that, but I didn't. And I still have my paycheck that I get every two weeks. And it's the same one I always got, at the same job I always had. I live in the same place I always did. And I never reached my potential. And I think, you know, uh, when we get older, it's justified. It's like you got to grow up at some point. You got to stop dreaming at some point. You know, people will push back and say, you know, I have responsibilities. I can't be out here not getting a check. I got to pay this rent. I got this car note. So. I think people will justify it if they can, because then they don't have to take responsibility for their lack of discipline or their lack of faith. Yeah, I think lack of faith in oneself is the most upsetting thing to see in someone. Is like when you see people you're close to and be like, like you're better than I am. You objectively are smarter. You learn better. You pick things up better. But, like, what are you doing? Like, why? Why are you not out there? Why are you not realizing your potential? And I think you're right that we're almost conditioned to be, like, risk-averse. Mm -hmm. Don't take risks. Play it safe. And in reality, in this world, what we're realizing more often than not, that play it safe is the biggest risk that you're ever going to take because it just mutes you down. It, like suppresses all your emotion it suppresses all these feelings because you just get beaten down by this system mm -hmm. and it doesn't give you an opportunity to at least to create and explore your own creativity and whatever that looks like absolutely and it's the worst place to get comfortable in my opinion what do you tell your kids you've got two do you have two, two children or more yeah they're, i mean they're grown now but uh, I I try not to 
push my own beliefs on them, but at least give them the information to make the choice. You know what I mean? Um, I want them to follow their hearts and, and ultimately do the thing that they love doing. I don't know how it happened, but neither one of them want to do music. <laughs> um, but uh, I just try to be supportive and also hope that, just like I'm saying, that they never get too comfortable in societal norms, that they don't go after what it is that's really true to them. I think that's the only real lesson you can teach is like, find who you are and follow your your own path, whatever that looks like. It is funny, though, that you look at it and be like, I don't know how either of them didn't follow music. Is there a part of you that, that is like, you saw that they could? Uh, Well, my daughter more than my son, um, because growing up she loved to sing and she spent a lot of time in the studio with me. Um, and my son, he's just always been into animation and video games and things like that. So I, I never even seen him like trying to mess with music. Um, but because like it's been in me since birth, I don't remember a time that I wasn't trying to do something related to music. So it's surprising to me that as they've gotten older, it's been so much more of them moving further and further away from any creative endeavor. Even my, uh, like my son, uh, you know, he wanted to do video animation for so long, but now he's moved in. He's 23 now. He's moved into a different direction and it's more of a, you know, professional job type of thing for him. Well, I mean, 23 is still very young. There's no, I mean, I started this podcast when I was 26. So like I was, um, I was doing that too of like career, professional journey, moving up the corporate ladder. So there's no real point. There's no real like start or end point. He could realize that, Hey, I got to add some creativity to this. And the way with tech, I mean, we spoke about tech with music, but tech for animation and, and the way it's all heading is that there's going to be a huge boom in the way that we can create things. So, I mean, yeah. never really know. He could, it could be in the background and then it just needs the trigger, that like little push and then off right. it goes. Yeah. And like I said, I I try to not impose and, and you know, let him find his own way. Um, and, you know, we'll see. I'm proud of him for what he's doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's definitely doing a lot better than what I was doing when I was his age, both of them. You know what I mean? So I feel like one, I'm proud of them too. I feel like I'm, I'm doing my job. Well, that's all you can do. You know, you did open yourself up to a question though. What were you doing at his age? (laughs) (laughs) Acting a fool (laughs) out there creating a mess just misbehaving yeah i just just didn't i i mean 
without getting too far into it, I was in the streets for for a long time. You know what I mean? Music actually is the thing that got me from running the streets. Music is what got me. You know, I had an opportunity from a mentor who, you know, used to see me out on the corner. And, uh, you know, he gave me an opportunity to come to his spot and create music. And that's like the first thing that switched my direction of something that could have been totally opposite. We could be having a a different conversation or not having a conversation at all based off of the decisions that I was making when I was around my son's age. How old was your mentor? Uh, I want to say he was in his mid twenties when I, when I met him, I was around 1920, like right before my son was born actually. Um, so I, I would say he's in his, his mid twenties, maybe a little older at the time. It's interesting that, you know, we need guiding figures in our life that, you know, even hearing you saying that, like, you may have still been in that position if it wasn't for somebody being like, Hey, you can do better or this isn't going to end well. Yeah. I mean, cause that was the foundation It ain't even like I got it together at that time. It still took a few years, more than a few, honestly, um, to get my life on track in in a different direction where I was making decisions that were going to, land me where I wanted to be. Because ultimately, I think um, something that I have to acknowledge is that it was choices. I can always blame it on my upbringing. I can always blame it on my environment. But when you get grown, you, you have choices. And I was still making choices to do things that ultimately were not going to end well for me. I think it gets addictive, though. I think that life, the the rush of like, you don't know how it's going to end. That's addictive. That's like the, I'm I'm playing a game. Every day is a game. Every day is like the most exciting thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. That I think that's also the difficult part, and that's probably why it took time for you, is because like, I would be shocked if it changed instantly, but like just just shifting the way your mind works outside of the mentality that that's who you're defined as, or that is what you are defined at, as mm-hmm. is like, is important. And, and like we said, I mean, the person you've, you've become, I don't really think would have been possible if it wasn't your experience acting out when you were young anyway, but they all mm-hmm. lend to who you become now. Yeah, I definitely think it's a part of it. Um, my experiences and, you know, living, I used to live in Seattle for one year and then moved to San Diego for one year. So I grew up in between those two places. Like (laughs) I would be in middle school in Seattle and then be in middle school during the summer in California. And, you know, just all of the different experiences that I've had, I definitely think have shaped me to be the person who I am today. And I think there's um, a lot of diversity in in my story. You know what I mean? Like my first introduction to music was as a drummer. Like I've, I've always played the drums and I played the drums in church. And then, you know, we got away from the church life and we ended up living in the hood and 
Seattle and then living in the hood in California. And then, you know, as I got older, you know, me meeting people who saw my potential in music and there's just always been somebody, you know, it was, it was my band teacher when I was in high school. It was my mentor when I got, you know, a little bit older and just all of these opportunities that were related to music that always helped me it was like a guide to like, you know, you there's somewhere else that you can go. There's something else that you could do. Um, but also, you know, I think that the tenacity that I had to even keep pushing comes from my upbringing and, you know, just the, the tough skin that I've had to endure the experiences that I've been through. And a lot of the things that I've gone through is, is all a part of, you know, who I am today and, and what allows me to keep going, you know what I mean? And, and be able to inspire and even in the mentoring that I do now, you know what I mean? I can relate to the kids that I work with because I've been there before. I didn't go to school to be in social services. I lived it, you know what I mean? So I would definitely want to ask you about your mentoring program, but I, before I do, why did you move so often? What was going on uh, that you moved regularly? My mom lived in Seattle first, and then we ended up moving to California to live with my grandma. But my dad still lived in Seattle, so I would go between the two of them. And was that difficult to go between the two for you? At the time, it was normal. I don't know that it was difficult. Um, in hindsight, I was a mama's boy. I think I, I used to always end up wanting to go back to my mother. Um, and my father was also pretty strict and also abusive. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it just was, that's just what it was at the time. I don't know that it was hard or not. It's just that was my life. Yeah, I think in the moment you don't know any different, but it's interesting hearing you reflect on it and hearing you like take the time to be like, yeah, I wonder what, what it was actually like when I look back. In the moment, I think it's almost impossible to even have the perception of reflection. You're just too busy trying to survive it. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning... Um about survival mode and uh, how childhood trauma can, it can have an impact on you in a way where you are always in survival mode and how that can um, impact your relationships and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning about, you know, trying to identify some of the things that I've been through and uh, how that may, impact how I deal with people and how I deal with relationships and stuff like that. So yeah, well, you're, you're catching me in a moment where reflection is definitely in front and center and, you know, just something that I'm having to be conscious about doing more of. Well, I'm glad I am getting you in this moment because I think it's important to talk about and I think doing it and talking about it makes it okay as it should be. Because that's how we heal. And I heard a, uh, a psychologist say, forget which one, 
he said that if you have a memory that still bothers you from more than 18 months ago, it's a trauma and something that you need to get over. It is something that needs addressing. So 18 months is like the window. So, And I think every single human in the world has shit that from their childhood, from years ago, from five years ago, from their friendships or whatever it might be, that still bothers them. And so I think yeah. it's an important journey into self-discovery to address the things that still bother you. Agreed. How are you going on that journey of self-discovery or reflection? Like, how is it going for you? Um, it's challenging because if I'm being honest, there's always been vices. And now I'm trying to not lean on the vices. So there's a clarity there and there's a, there's a little bit of stability in my life right now, whereas it's always been a just not so much chaos, but like there's just always been like go mode, go, 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 get it, get it, get it. You got to keep your head above water and the vices. And, and now that I'm really trying to, you know, better my, my own health mentally and physically, uh, the challenge is to be able to deal with these things without going back into this it's a sense of comfort almost the chaos is comfort the darkness is comfort for me you know what i mean so i think the challenge is now you know trying to move forward and address all of those things at the same time you know what i mean like trying to move away from my vices at the same time trying to reflect on and and identify which parts of my life are still affecting me if it's trauma, if it's something that like, you know, you just need to grow up and get over it. <laughs> like, you know, all of these things are kind of unfolding at once. So it's a lot, to be honest. Yeah. It's weird because it's like when you say you feel comfortable in the darkness, it's such a vivid image, but it's also sad at, at the same, like it, there's, there's some sadness, but there's some truth into like, we all kind of feel in a way if we're not true to ourselves, we're not open to being disappointed in the weirdest way. But like if, mm. if you hide behind your vices and the weird thing is about vices is that they only continue to amplify the challenges that you have to begin with because then you have to overcome them and then you have to be okay with the fact that you've got vices. And that's another thing that you're trying to rectify plus all the other shit that you you were using the vices for in the beginning. So it's like we as humans are so complicated Mm -hmm. and we do so much to hurt ourselves through for whatever reason. And, you know, I think it's extremely important that people like yourself continue to explore that and and talk about it because I think it makes a lot of people identify exactly with what you're going through. Yeah. Especially because artists, producers, creators, there's a lot of isolation 
And I think uh, that's another thing that I'm identifying for myself right now is the isolation sometimes can hinder. It, 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 I just feel like um, I'm learning that I isolate to not have to address things because then there's no accountability. There's no, you know, I'm not even dealing with anybody to make me identify some of the things that are hurting me um, just by interaction, you know, people that I love that I've hurt from my behavior and then just going and isolating myself and staying away from it. So I don't, but it doesn't fix it. It doesn't change it. You know what I mean? Especially if I'm not spending the time to reflect and identify. Yeah. It's like detachment. You're just detaching yourself from everything. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the vice and you know what I'm saying? You're just sitting in here, you know, I I know me, I create well in that space. (laughs) I mean, some good music comes out of it. But that's I think that's because it's true emotion, maybe. No, because I mean you've you've had that in you regardless of of what you do. But I mean, I always wonder with artists as well, and to a certain extent, I definitely have this. I think there's something inside of us that's like, why do we want to be like on the world stage? Mm-hmm. Why is it there, there's something in there? And, you know, I mean, why did I have the need to do this and want this conversation to be broadcast to as many people as I want and to be known and right. for it to, like, what is that deficiency inside myself? That's, that's something that I've been thinking about is like, because my brothers don't have it. When I talk to my brothers, they're like, I have zero intention of being recognizable on the street. And then when I think about it, I'm like, fuck, I would love to be recognized on the street. And I and I wonder in within my own kind of journey what that hole is that I'm trying to plug. Because that's it's weird to me. Like I recognize it, it's part of me. I've always loved being on stage. I've always loved I love being the the person in the room speaking. I've always loved being the one to get the laugh to be the there's something there within myself so i think it's i can recognize it in artists that for whatever reason there is a part of us that needs that attention yeah i mean for me i I was the opposite for a very long time i didn't want the attention i think it's another reason why i signed the deal that i signed because i knew that i could just stay behind the scenes and you know create music I didn't really want to be in front and I think that had a lot to do with things that I was battling with my my insecurities like I never really looked at myself as an extremely talented person and I always was my own worst critic um you could tell me how good I was but I always had a voice in myself that was like, everybody's better than me. And I never really wanted to be out front because I didn't want to have to deal with how I was being perceived. Um, And and later in life, I had to just get out there 
by necessity, not because I wanted to. It was just like everybody that I was standing behind wasn't looking out for me. So it was like, yo, you're going to have to get out there. And then I started to identify that, like, you're insecure shit. Like, (laughs) you don't want to be in front of the camera because you're scared. Yeah. That self-sabotage is strong. Yeah. I think for all of us. Because I'm the same. I know I want it, but there are things that I'm like, I don't want to do. It's going to make me feel uncomfortable. I I have to find a reality of who I am in the midst of the pursuit of this goal. It's like, uh, I should do that, but I don't want to do it because I'm going to have to deal with some truths about myself I'm not ready to deal with. Mm -hmm. Didn't expect for us to end up in this place in terms of conversation, I'm glad we did. I'm glad we did, but like it just shows that literally no matter where you are, there is some commonality in the challenges that we we go through. And mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people that were listening were also like, God damn, if these two are having this this feeling, definitely I am. It's definitely not. It's in the weirdest way, it's so normal. We all have traumas. We have shit we have to deal with, but it's all normal to deal with. But what I definitely want to ask you about and something I did want to ask you about was your youth mentoring. We've spoken a lot mm-hmm. about you and your journey and how does that play into, you know, helping young people, talking to young people and, and guiding them in, in their journey in figuring out who they are and what their purpose is? Well, the interesting thing about it is when you get into the music industry and you think that you're going to become like a super famous person or a rich person your perception of how your goals are going to manifest is it's it's kind of I wouldn't say unrealistic but like for me I always wanted to have I wanted to have like a creative arts center for youth and I felt like you know one day I was gonna make it big in the music industry and then I was gonna get all of this money and I was gonna build this center (laughs) and that's not how it happened what happened was in 2014 I ended up moving back to Seattle after my production deal ended and a year after making the decision that I needed to get some stability in my life and get a job um I had came back from a meeting with aftermath i met dr dre and they offered me an opportunity to basically move out there and just kind of come around it wasn't going to be a deal it wasn't going to be anything sustainable um and i was like i'm not doing that again so i ended up getting jobs and around the time a friend of mine was working at this this uh youth center here in Seattle. And he was like, could you come down and talk to our students? We got this music program. And I just want you to talk to them about um, the music industry and, you know, your experiences and, you know, kind of work with them in the studio. So I went and I did it. And the youth there, they resonated with me. Um, They came up in the same area that I came up in. And they were familiar with my music that I have been doing here locally. Um, So the the story goes that they asked me to you know show up a couple more times and I ended up volunteering and I started to do these groups every week and then I got offered a job there 
when I got offered the job, I didn't have no credentials. So I ended up going to school and becoming a certified, um, they call it CDPT. Basically, the agency was a drug and alcohol agency for at-risk youth. Um, so I ended up being certified as a counselor for kids with substance abuse. Um, and I started doing that and they just gave me the opportunity to create a program, how I, you know, how I seem fit. And I, I created that program and that's where Level Up came from. So me and my partner um, created Level Up. And we ended up getting some funding and it just kind of grew. Um, we ended up switching locations and I ended up like having some staff and, you know, it's just another one of those things where somebody seen potential in me and gave me the opportunity. And that's, you know, the short story of how Level Up even got started. So you deal with predominantly at, at risk youth? Yeah, that's that's where it started as we've progressed we've opened it up to, you know, just trying to make it more about youth in general and giving everybody who needs the opportunity, the opportunity. Um, it's, it's changed from only music now to I'm starting to teach things about entrepreneurship and, um, there's some conversation about music therapy. So I might be going back to school to get certified to do music therapy and stuff. So, you know, there's still a lot of room to grow it. Well, it's amazing to see you give back to your community in that way, to give people an opportunity and a voice and also have someone listen when a lot of people feel like no one's listening. So it is extremely important that people like yourself continue to do what you're doing. I can only commend you for doing it and, you know, applaud you. And and I know you don't do it for the applause and I know you don't do it for like the credit because the reward is seeing the people in the lives that you have significant impact over. But yeah, it may, it must in a weird, in, in the most interesting way that must give you the most joy to see the impact that you have on other people and people who otherwise may not have the same opportunity without you. Yeah. Cause like I've said, that's what happened for me throughout my whole life there's just always been somebody there to give me that push like yo you could do better and here's some some resources so that you can and I believe in you and you can do it <laughs> you know what I mean and I think that that's been one of the most important things that's happened in my life and so I try to not get too far away from remembering that that's what happened for me and that that's what I want to do for somebody else. How do you handle the emotional aspect of it? You must see some and hear some pretty challenging things on a day-to-day basis, but how do you just be like separate and not affect your everyday life? Or, or are there times where it actually does affect your everyday life you know what like one of the hardest things to deal with is I've had a couple of my students like get shot die 
And I think that is something that they don't really prepare you for. And you like, I know that it's possible, but I just never imagined that it would happen um, to somebody that I was building a connection with and somebody that I seen like their potential. Um, and, and that's why I feel like I'm so fortunate that my story turned out the way that it did. Um, but nothing can prepare you for you getting the news that, you know, somebody that was in your group or in your program died or, you know, got shot. And so, like, honestly, I don't know. I, I can't really even answer that because you you got to keep pushing and, and, and try to make the impact and, and make the difference in the kids' lives that are that are there. But I don't even know how I'm supposed to like like how do you deal with that? How do you I don't know. Yeah. Well that's why I asked. Cause I wouldn't know that and you know you put in so like you and I can see like in the look in your face that you legitimately care like there's no show so yeah it can only be difficult challenging upsetting all of those emotions but also the kids who are going through the program as well they're all impacted by it cuz it's like mm-hmm. a friend and then yeah not only does it affect you, it affects them, and and it just shows the the truth of the importance of the things that you're doing with them. Yeah. What's the what's the ultimate pathway for them? So when they start your program versus the end. Um. So de- depending on the age group, because we work with in anywhere between elementary school students to college. Um, My oldest students are basically in their last year of high school getting ready to go into college. They're like in a a running start program. Um, And ultimately the younger students, it's just really educating them on music and giving them a creative outlet. And the older ones that, you know, are basically on their way to college is just kind of give them some kind of career path um, and let them know that it's possible that they could create a, a career from it. So my uh, curriculum, I wrote the curriculum that is basically when they're done, they should have some of the fundamentals to go into a studio, create music and put it out. And then, um, you know, just some of the basics about, you know, doing music independently and, you know, resources if they decide that they want to go to college for music, um, which is provided from the the college that we worked with last is Shoreline Community College here in Seattle, which is very much known for their music program. So it's just kind of steer them in the right direction and basically be like, you know, you could do this. And, you know, you're right here at the school that is one of the top schools known for their music program here. You just got to stay in a straight and narrow and, you know, finish. And some of the things that help with our program is some of our partnerships allow them to get credit. So it's credited course for them. So it helps them where otherwise they weren't going to graduate. Um, so 
that's always a good thing too. So it just it varies, but ultimately, uh, we just want to be a resource, man. And, and you know, again, uh, I don't use the term mentorship lightly, um, but I do want them to be able to uh, basically have that opportunity in that creative outlet well as i said before i think it's extremely important work that you're doing and and you're seeing the benefit and and giving back to your community and and so that is awesome i can only commend you i'm gonna have to get you to at the end of the show to also uh let people know how they can help if there's a way they can help or they can reach out and support you and all that kind of stuff but man i've only got one more question for you Okay. So it's the only question I plan on the show. Uh, it's known as the hardest question that I ask, but if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of cannot be your own music, can be any genre of music, what would it be? Wow. See, see I told you it was hard. <laughs> That's loaded. <laughs> Just one? You can talk me through your process, but I want you to land on one. And I always have to, like, clarify. This is not the best album of all time. This is not what I'm asking. I'm asking an album that you think people should appreciate, that they should just listen to and and understand and and just take the time to be like, huh, as opposed to, like, this is the goat. Jesus Christ. That is loaded. See, it's so funny. I think that I think the, the the challenging part is that from a producer standpoint, there's that, and then there's just my appreciation for certain albums as a listener, and then there's like, should this be a hip hop album or any other genre? Because all of that informs my decision. Uh, if I have to pick one, I'm gonna have to go with Thriller, Michael Jackson. Yeah, can I, can I just say the amount people talk about Michael Jackson has been surprising me. Like when I started this show, I never expected it to be so impactful. Maybe it's because in my personal life, like it just didn't, it wasn't the thing that really captured me, but it seems to, like, he just seems to really have this importance that I probably didn't recognize until I started speaking to artists. Well, I think what's important is that when I mentioned the album Thriller, it's not singularly about Michael Jackson. It's about Quincy Jones, the producer. Um, and the musicality and you know if if anybody's had the privilege of watching Quincy Jones documentary um, just him as a producer and, and his body of work in general but I think that uh, there's a lot of things I think the story goes that Quincy Jones was 50 years old when he produced Thriller um so there's that there's 
you know, just you just listen to the musicality and the production of that album in general. And yeah, Michael Jackson and his artistry is also a big part of it. But I think there's just a lot of layers to why I chose that album. Because if I'm going to pick any album, you know, I think a lot of people will make decisions based on their favorite. Um, and that's not necessarily my favorite. but it's one of those albums where it's it's like study it study it listen to it <laughs> you know what i mean as a producer as a performer as a creative you know the, the it stands the test of time it plays in a way even though we know how old it is it plays in a way that's just forever timeless you know what i mean like there's no for me listening to it, I think, you know, you might get a different opinion from somebody else. But for me, there's just no identification of like, this is what year it was when this came out. Um, the musicality is just amazing. It's universal. It's timeless. And so that's why I picked that one. Well, I think that is as good a reason as you can ever get. And I think it's a good lesson for artists to go for timeless music that it is unidentifiable, the period of time that the music was created. And I think only very few artists are capable of doing that. It is an extremely challenging thing not to let the trend decide what you're going to do because you can definitely see that now in music is the trend decides what people are going to do. But, um, yeah, funny that, you know, out of all the questions I asked you and I asked some tough questions, that was the one that you were like, ah, oh, this is the impossible question out of all of them. Like <laughs> you were like, damn, like the a music question. I asked you some, so many personal things, but um, yeah, that was the one that got you. The challenge is the, the you only get to choose one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, it's no fun if I, if I'm like, Hey, list me 10, it's too many. So yeah, um, yeah. the funny the, thing the is maybe top five would have been easier. I could have, I could have <laughs> hit you off with about three of them a lot faster. <laughs> The 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 funny thing is that as soon as you're asked, ever this happens to me all the time, I forget. I forget the name of the album, even though I've been talking about it for my whole life. And then they're like, name that. And I'm like, oh, God, what's that album called? And I always forget. <laughs> and then I'm like, I have to look it up. But, um, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you sharing uh, your story, your wisdom, uh, and, and just talking about what you've been through. Uh, definitely a lot of lessons, not only for myself, but for the audience to learn. You're doing some amazing work, work with the Level Up program. And for everyone who who uh, isn't aware, please make sure you check out his his website. Uh, you can also see the link on Instagram. Um, you've got YouTube videos. You do IG lives as well in terms mm -hmm. of you you're doing performances. So, um, yeah, man, is there anything else you wanted to shout out? Anything you wanted to talk about before we finish up? Um, just a quick plug. I am doing a course on all of this stuff. I'm working on it. So look out for that. There we go. The simplest plug to, to finish the show. Um, but yeah, as I said, man, absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, this has been absolutely fantastic. And yeah, for anyone that, that obviously wants to reach out and is, is there a way that people can help with the level up program or, or any kind of way that people can do that? 
Yeah, I mean, if, for anything related to Level Up, uh, our website is wapiseattle.org, I think. Wapiseattle.org. Um, and yeah, all the information is on the website. Um, and, you know, you could reach out to me directly at K Fresh Music on all platforms. Um, if you, if you, uh, want to ask me anything directly amazing definitely do that as i said man this was awesome thank you thank you for having me i appreciate it thanks for listening to the show please like and subscribe and follow me on instagram at the underscore hip-hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip-hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now